You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, everybody. This is Sky from Davy Jones Locker Room. And you are listening to Beneath the Frozen Sea, the DJLR podcast, covering the National Hockey League and, of course, the Seattle Kraken. And what a December that they have had. I wouldn't call it one to remember, but definitely not one to forget. So much happened this month that it feels like there were stages of Kraken hockey during this December, like it was trying to pupate into something. But let's start at the top with the fact that they broke their losing streak. Good job, Squids. They broke it against the Florida Panthers, not just by beating them, but by beating them four to nothing. That game was gigantic for them. They took what the Florida Panthers were giving them, and the Florida Panthers came out swinging. They attacked the net, they had a great transition game, and they got to the middle of the ice to create scoring chances. And you know what? It made things look... And you know what? They looked better than they looked at any point prior to this. They looked really, really good. And they started to string together some wins. Uh, They have dropped a couple games here and there, but they are starting to prove that they are not a complete pushover. And you know, they're not just beating, you know, Eastern Conference foes. They beat the LA Kings. They almost shut out the LA Kings. That's how well they played against them. They showed that they are not completely dead yet. 
They still have a lot of work to do, but they look like they are in a much better spot than they were uh, coming into December on this eight-game losing streak, which I spent all of the last podcast just railing about. It was not a good time to be a Kraken fan. They would just would not get out of their own way, and they look a lot better now as we go into their upcoming game against the Anaheim Ducks. But it has come at a cost. Uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar is on the men for the next month. He will miss the Winter Classic, which just stinks. He's been working so hard for this team, and even if he isn't the most highly skilled player, he's still put a lot of work into the penalty kill, and it just stinks to lose a guy, especially at his age, to a leg fracture. Like, you gotta wonder if that's gonna start cutting into his total playing time, like career playing time. It's just a really rough injury, and I really hope that he comes back better than ever. And he's far from the only one. Andre Burakovsky is still on the mend. They just put Jaden Schwartz on long-term injured reserve. The Kraken know that they are down a man, and they have been down a man pretty much the entire season. But and a funny thing, and ha- but an interesting thing happened. On December fifteenth, Ron Francis went out and addressed that problem. He went and traded for Tomas Tatar from the Colorado Avalanche. He only gave up a fifth round pick to do so, and in my opinion, he was vital to this rapid turnaround in play for the team. I've always sort of been a fan of guys like Tomas Tatar, guys who just have the puck a lot, do a lot of the right things on the boards, win board battles not spectacularly, uh, but just get the job done. And the problem is, is that when you get the job done, but you're maybe at a level of scoring where eh, you're probably more along the lines of a 30 point guy than like a 40 or 50 point guy, teams don't really know what to do with a guy like Tomas Tatar. Vegas didn't know really what they wanted from him. New Jersey thought that they had kind of wrung everything they could out of him. Colorado seemed to just not be a fit for him whatsoever. And as a result, they were more than willing to part with him. But in my opinion, he has always shown an ability to be very, very useful if you can use him in the right contexts. What do I mean by that? In this case, his job is to take a lot of the uh, defensive work and a lot of the... What did I mean by that? In this case, Dave Haxtell seems to have tasked him with taking a lot of the transition work off of the plates of Matty Beneers and Jordan Eberle. Now, what I mean by that is that transition is not just something that happens in the neutral zone. It's not just that period when they are skating in between trying to regain possession over by the opening face-off dot. Transition almost always starts in the defensive zone, and his job is to create that first outlet pass to allow guys like Matty Beneers and Jordan Eberle, who have a lot of creativity, to feel like they don't have to do it all themselves. And that's been especially a big problem for Matty Beneers as he's been struggling lately. And a bigger part of why I think he's been struggling is that he has to try and find offense as well as try to create transition chances for a bunch of forwards who are also not shooting nearly as well as they could be, just like he is. Whereas Tomas Tatar 
Uh, he's never really been a volume shooter in the same way that most of the Kraken have been. So someone like him who can grab the puck, make a safe, sane pass that will also open up and open up a, a lane for Jordan Eberle and Matty Beneers to use their foot speed to try and get into the offensive zone, has been critical to them playing a lot better. Now, do I think that they still need to maybe find a little extra finish? Absolutely. But Tatar has been the secret sauce, to coin a phrase, to making this team look and play, at least in my opinion, a lot better. But that's all just the forwards and the skaters. The guy who's kept them in most of their games has been Joey Decord. I do not have enough good things to say about Joey Decord to accurately describe how he's playing right now. He is on another level. He's tracking the puck well. He is keeping ahead. He's tracking the puck well. He's keeping ahead of the many, many boneheaded chances that, that the Kraken defense sometimes gives up. He's making these insanely aggressive saves that are just working out. He is making himself look gigantic. And he's already a pretty big boy to begin with. If I could give a first star for the first half of the year, Joey Decord has pretty clearly come up as that guy. Like, think about it from the long game. It's been a while since we've had a goaltender in Seattle that has been able to even keep up with a 920 save percentage. And yeah, league save percentage in general is going down, but Joey is playing far and above beyond league average. He is playing at a level where he's getting 960, 977 uh, save percentages on games that the Kraken should have no business winning. The LA game is a sterling example of that. Joey Decord stole that game outright. He is just something else. He has been the lifeblood of this team for the last week and a half or so, and it's a credit to his development that he's done so well at the NHL level. I have nothing but good things to say about Joey D. I sincerely hope that his Christmas stocking is stuffed with gift cards for steakhouses, because this Kraken team owes him big time. And you know, they're gonna need him to be at his best, because he's gonna be at home, but he's not gonna be playing in of doors at Climate Pledge. He's going to be out of doors at the Winter Classic at T-Mobile Park, home of our beloved aggravating Mariners, to play the Vegas Golden Knights. But until then, the Kraken still have at least a couple games left on the schedule. Uh, they are still in California. They got to play Anaheim, who's very mercurial right now. They're looking a lot better, but, uh, you know, they're not quite the invincible team that they looked like during the early part of this season. That game is at a baffling 5 p.m. Pacific tonight. You might want to tune into the radio broadcast if you are a commuter. And hey, shoutouts to our friends KJR 93.3 FM. They do great work over there. And then, of course, we'll have the holiday break, and then they will come back on the 27th to take on the Calgary Flames, who are going through a lot of the same problems that the Kraken are. Only I would say that a big part of their issue is that they seem ready to start rebuilding, and the Kraken are just kind of, you know, building. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And then finally, before they go out of doors to the NHL Winter Classic, they will take on the Philadelphia Flyers, and that is actually a pretty tough test. They are one of the hottest teams in the Eastern Conference right now. Turns out getting a bunch of good prospects and one of your best defensive centers back at the right time can turn you into a bit of a juggernaut if you're not careful. It could happen to any team. Let's hope it happens to the Kraken. But don't think for a minute that the youngs of the Kraken are just resting on their laurels because the Kraken actually have a ton of players going to the World Junior Championships in Gothenburg, Sweden this year. It seems like they've got a lot of players spread out just in Group A, with a little bit of Group B in there for flavor. Carson Rakoff got to stay for Team Canada. Not quite sure I agree with sending Jagger Furcus home. He has been on a tear in the WHL, but hey, Team Canada knows better than I do, apparently. On Team Sweden, Zeb Forsvjall. Always good to have a kid who is going to be representing the home team. Team Finland actually has a couple of Kraken prospects. Big boy Yanni Neiman will be a forward for them, and Nicholas Coco is not just slated to be a goaltender, he is slated to be their starter this year. And over in Group B with the Norwegians and the Americans, Eddie Chalet will suit up for Team Czechia. I don't know why I slipped into a smoother jazz radio announcer there. I am sorry, I will try not to do that again, although I make no promises. As for who will medal, I'm pretty sure Canada will. It's just a matter of how far they will go. It looks like that this is a team that a lot more people are less sure of. I'm sure they'll get their act together at the final moments when it starts to matter. Team USA, as per usual, is loaded with talent, but they have this thing that they do where for the first 40 minutes of the game, they kind of play like crap and then they win it all in the third period or in overtime. It's made for an extraordinarily frustrating experience. Uh, Czechia had an absolutely phenomenal year, and now they've gotten some of these kids that are supposed to be the next wave of Czech excellence at the international hockey level coming in. So there's a chance that they could get their act together. And more importantly for them, which is not true of every other team, they are healthy. They're healthy, and they've got almost everybody they asked for. So that could be a big thing for them going forward. As for who I root for, I tend to root for underdogs. I've always been a big Czechia fan. Uh, not for any, like, nationality reasons. I just like them. Um, I've always been very a big fan of how Czechia conducts themselves. And uh, a lot of my favorite players were Czech. So, yeah. Uh, go Team Czechia. I hope everyone has a great time over there. I hope all the Kraken prospects do really well. Uh, if you're looking for a team that has the most you're probably going to have to be a big Team Finland fan, which, you know, is always a good time. The Finns play a pretty good system. It's just a matter of they didn't get their big defensive prospect that they thought was going to be around, and that might be a big problem for them. Regardless, I wish all the Kraken prospects luck, and I hope that they all medal. As for around the NHL news, oh my god, where to start? This was a couple of weeks where just nothing but news happened. 
I mean, obviously the Kraken had their Tomash Tatar trade, which worked out for them, or is at the very least currently working out for them. So many teams decided to fire or make big changes. We'll start with the Minnesota Wild. They canned Dean Evason after a pretty rough start to their season. They also ended up firing their AGM, and Bill Guerin, their current GM, recently was under the microscope for a HR incident that the team decided was not worth firing him over. Seems like a lot of that front office is liable to change in the upcoming year. Uh, for his sake, I sincere... For Guerin's sake, I imagine he is hoping that this team ends up being pretty good. Otherwise, he may have to look for other gainful employment. The Wild also, the Wild also replaced Dean Evason with John Hines, who's been all right. The Wild seem to like him. The thing you have to accept with him is that he's not a long-term solution, and you should probably be looking for a more permanent solution at head coach. Speaking of head coaching firings, the Sens actually ended up firing their head coach DJ Smith after their series. After their season started with them near the bottom of the Eastern Conference, I mean, it's not the players. We know that the Ottawa Senators can be absolutely one of the better teams in the NHL just by talent alone, but their defense is atrocious, and frankly, I just don't think that DJ Smith really was able to bring out the best of that team. He always had the talent. It was just a lot of the coaching decisions, a lot of the disciplinary issues, that stuff falls on the coach. And yeah, after so many chances, eventually you've got to say enough's enough and find somebody who can take all these disparate pieces and turn them into a cohesive unit. I don't know if I'd trust their general manager Pierre Dorian to make that decision, but hey, that's who they're stuck with. When people start talking about parity, the real parity is in management. Always remember that. Mildly closer to home, the Colorado Avalanche seem to be, uh, maybe not imploding, but definitely starting to get a little snippy with one another. Uh, Devon Tays over the week had a kind of spicy comment regarding his uh, teammates and, and whether or not they actually had the uh, compete level that they are expected of. This comes hot on the heels of a dad's trip that involved one of the player's fathers actually getting uh, in a little bit of a tizzy with other players. Seems like the Colorado Avalanche are still very good team. They're not in any danger of necessarily giving up any room in the standings. It looks like in the Central Division that it's going to be Dallas and Colorado sort of trading spaces back and forth until the season ends. For their sake, I really hope they actually manage to get it together because if this all becomes a thing where the coach can't keep track of that stuff, uh, it could get real ugly real fast. There was also a bizarre little episode where forward Nolan Patrick was supposedly retired, but then was confirmed to not have been retired. He's currently an unrestricted free agent, and frankly, I don't quite know where he's going next. But, uh, hey, good for him. It's so weird that we're having these sorts of crises of information. From what I understand, Nolan Patrick's a pretty quiet guy, but like, I don't know, could you get in touch with his agent before you try to confirm anything like that? Just seems so strange to me that we are still living in an age where this kind of thing can happen. Wild times. And finally, we had a player get unusually emotional over a uh, pretty rough series of events, the Blues. I nearly forgot about the Blues and the Kiru thing, oh my god. Um, the Blues fired their coach, and Jordan Kiru uh, had gave kind of a gave an out of context kind of snippy answer, but but in reality was probably no more venomous than a I can't talk about that right now. 
and St. Louis fans did not care for that whatsoever. They began booing the crap out of him, just in general. Now, Kiru has had a very rough start to his season, so I can understand if you're frustrated with the player, but like, man, he looked rattled after that after the first game of that it seems genuinely strange that a player who should be doing so well and now that Craig Berube is gone he hasn't really improved I'm not gonna lie that's probably a relationship you're gonna have to start smoothing over if you're the general manager of the Blues and in broadcasting news because this has been a huge story going through the last couple of weeks especially going back to 2022 it looks like the nhl has finally reached an agreement with the diamond sports group these are the people who own bally sports who broadcast i think around a third of all u.s teams right now i think the red wings are definitely one of them uh the preds are one of them and i think both florida teams the point is, they got a rate down, they're still going to be able to carry the games and whatnot. Um, I imagine that in the near future, we are going to start seeing a lot of leagues, particularly the NHL, uh, try to find a way to get their games off of regional sports networks, because it seems like cable providers just want to get rid of them, even though the thing that they do provide is ratings, and therefore advertising revenue. Um, it's hard in the business right now, it's hard in television, because uh, what we understand as television is changing rapidly. And pretty much all the people who run these companies don't really understand that yet. It's really hard to explain to someone who has been working in media for so long just how important learning about this stuff is. You know, pivoting to a new kind of medium is very difficult if you're not willing to put your full potential behind it. And with that all said, I think it's time we called it a morning. Uh, one thing I do want to say is that if you are wondering where Sean has been, uh, Sean is going to be taking a bit of a leave of absence from the suit. Uh, Sean is going to be taking a bit of an extended leave of absence, not just from Beneath the Frozen Sea, you'll also be seeing them uh, take an extended break from previewing games over at DavyJonesLockerRoom.com as he is currently uh, running a course that will take up most of his time out in Canada. I wish him all the best, and I hope that he has a wonderful time. He is welcome back whenever he wants. I highly recommend you read or watch anything that Allison Ballard, one of our very, very fine analysts over at DavyJonesLockerRoom.com, puts out. Normally, we put it up on YouTube, and then we also put it up in an article. However you find your way to enjoying these things, I highly recommend that you do. Allison knows the sport better than I do, she understands the nuts and bolts a lot better than I do, and in my opinion, she is an invaluable resource. We are so lucky to have her. If you liked what you see, you can go on ahead and subscribe however you get your podcasts to Beneath the Frozen Sea, the DavyJonesLockerRoom.com podcast. And you can also go on ahead and take a look at our written content over at DavyJonesLockerRoom.com. And as of this recording, the Anaheim Ducks will be playing the Seattle Kraken at the Honda Center in Anaheim, California. I will be traveling during this game, but I will be watching it. I'm very excited to see how they do against a team who is maybe not as good as some of the teams they've been playing so far, but and see if they can't uh, overcome some of their deficiencies in order to keep the momentum going. My name is Sky. 
Thank you so much for listening. I wish you all a very happy holidays. And as always, keep calm and post Zoidberg when we win. And go Kraken.